Right. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Question Mark podcast. Uh, this is episode two. Uh, you're once again joined by me, Archie Haddon, and my co-host, Tom Eck. Uh, today, what we're going to be covering is the COVID-19 outbreak. Now, this is going to be split into two sections. Uh, our first section will be uh, how we think certain leaders have reacted to uh, the outbreak. We have some uh, specific leaders selected and we'll be sort of rating uh, and discussing uh, how well uh, their leadership has uh, taken their countries through this challenging time. Uh, and the second section will be our predictions for what we believe is going to happen after this period. So what's going to happen with globalization and travel, you know, both nationally and internationally, what's going to happen with how, what's going to change with how we meet people and environmentally, how has this period uh, affected uh, the, the world and what are we going to see uh, with changes to the environment afterwards? Uh, now, uh, the first country that we will be covering uh, is a very controversial one. Uh, it's the United States. Now, currently, uh, the total cases in America sits at four and a half million, just over, uh, which is that's a completely absurd number, with over 150,000 deaths in the country. Uh, Tomek, if you care to, you know, give us your thoughts on uh, what's going on in the United States and how you think um, Trump has handled uh, the COVID-19 outbreak? I think we'll start off with their total cases because statistics can't lie. It's actually awful. They've got, as you said earlier, 4.5 million cases totally, which is about a quarter of the world's 17 million cases. They have over 150,000 deaths, which is far and away the worst in the world. And they're still having over 704 new deaths a day and 31,000 cases a day. Uh, the main comment is, it's not very helpful having a president who doesn't trust his own doctor. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's slightly baffling, really, isn't it? You know, we heard earlier on in, his, in, in this year, he was saying things like, I won't wear the mask in the Oval Office. I don't picture it, which isn't going to make your population want to wear a mask you know he's an example to his, con his country and his people and if he's saying that they aren't going to wear them because yeah definitely you know. and i think it's uh one of, of course another ridiculous thing he said was everybody should drink bleach and uh chlorex um so that uh they can clean themselves of the uh disease which is almost something that a witch doctor would tell their patients in the 1600s um one of the comments, uh, this is one thing that I have disliked about America um, for quite a while, and it's really shown its problems during this pandemic. And it's the power that each individual state has uh, over its laws. And this has really been a problem in sort of this COVID period for the United States. Um, you've seen a massive difference in the reactions of some states in comparison to others. So um, an example of this would be, um, you know, Florida and Georgia and all of the southern states around that area have been very laxed on their precautions. You know, it's not uh, it's not mandatory to wear masks inside of uh, businesses there. Uh, 
you know, testing is very limited in those places. Uh, and it's been, uh, and of course, case that has meant that cases have been rising in that area. And in, this is a, it's a stark contrast to what's going on in, um, you know, typical, typically democratic states of so California um, and other, uh, other regions, uh, which would typically vote Democrat. Um, they've been, you know, they've they've been very harsh. Well, not harsh, but they've been uh, very tight on precautions, which is fair enough. They've been wearing masks. You've got to wear masks inside of businesses. It's a com- it's a complete the complete polar opposite to what's going on in the south. I think it's also a very poor showing of Trump that he's saying these things, such as to inject hydro. Uh, I can't say it very well. Hydroxychlorine into yourself when he's got an election coming up it just completely baffles me mm. i mean to compare his performance as a leader compared to uh jacinda Ardern, i don't want to sound biased towards the left because honestly i think in a case like this party politics and partisanship shouldn't come in but she's got about 1000 cases i think it's 1.5k and about 22 deaths yeah and which is i mean unfortunately they did um couple of weeks ago they got rid of their last case but unfortunately um it seems that um it's it's sort of gone up not at a you know at an alarming rate um but uh they, they've controlled it incredibly well there but you do i think with um new zealand you do have to take into account um i guess population density and uh, yeah. in comparison to other nations um new zealand the the population um, of five million, which is, uh, I think it's, I think it's two million less than the, the Netherlands, um, and they've got about, I think, six to ten times more room. It's a very, it's a very sparse country, uh, New Zealand, and that's that's helped with this period. But you know, leadership um, has also helped. Jacinda um, has been a fantastic role model um, throughout. Uh, throughout this COVID period, really sort of leading from the front, and I think it's a, it's an inspiration to see, um, you know, a political leader take this stance, and she's taken this stance not just you know in COVID situations, but after the um, the attack on the mosque, um, she was in at Christ the forefront Church. of the yeah yeah in Christchurch. Um, she she was at the forefront of that movement. Um, you know, she was leading her, her uh, prayer, and it, it's it's great to see a leader who genuinely has humility and respect um, for her people. Uh, it, it's gr- it's great to see, and I think that she should be a role model for all uh, leaders. You know, she's been uh, she also led when she was um, uh, thirty two weeks pregnant. Uh, she's she's dedicated herself to the leadership of New Zealand, and it, it's 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 fantastic to see. Um, Another country that's uh, struggled particularly with this period has been uh, uh, Brazil uh, under, um, sorry, I'm going to struggle to pronounce this, uh, Bolsonaro, Bol- Bolsonaro, isn't it? I think Bolsonaro. It's Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro sorry, Bolsonaro. Jaya um, Bolsonaro. Yeah, I mean, not, once again, not the politics um, affects uh, the person, but um, uh, Bolsonaro, is a, he's a right-leaning man. Um, and already we were seeing sort of um, quite a laxed uh, leadership um, model from him. I think uh, 
he, uh, especially when it came to the deforestation of the Amazon, he's been quite offhanded about it. And he's continued to let loggers operate in the area, even through this period. And his lack sort of leadership is, uh, can be seen through the statistics for Brazil. Two and a half million cases um, that went up 14,000 today uh, and a total of 88,000 deaths. Um, it's It's poor. And once again, Brazil is another nation which actually isn't that dense in terms of population. Um, you've got, you know, you've got your large cities. You've got Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, uh, Brasilia. That's the issue, though, isn't it? That's yeah. the issue, because there's not a lot of people living in most of it because it's all Amazon. It's the Amazon yeah. base. The issue is you've got a million people run, living yeah. in the flavelas of um, Rio de Janeiro, and yeah. the sanitation's relatively poor. The income's very low. It's almost mm-hmm. similar to... What's happening in Britain with minorities? They've got less money due to whether it be the state being against them or genuinely just um, being worse off. Yeah, well, I think I, th- I think it's it's unfortunate it's in Brazil worse. as well because uh, in Brazil because uh, a large amount of population is around the coastline um, and this is effect this has affected their sort of um, uh, their ability to deal with it even worse because. Like you say, um, the population has been uh, is, is very dense around the coastal areas. And with what has been a poor uh, response to this from Brazil, I mean, what? Uh, I, I don't know how many tests they've conducted, but it, it can't be uh, tests per million. It says Brazil. Um, oh, actually, the test says it's 12.6 million. The worldometer has. I've got mm, it in front of me right now. Yeah. Which is actually. It's probably more than Britain's done, I imagine. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good number. No, Britain has done is, a bit more. Britain has done. Uh, yeah, 15 well, yeah. There's, in that case, so, there's the example. Take, so it's actually Britain's way better because take into account the population amount. Mm, that's Brazil's about, about two hundred million, and Britain's about sixty-six. Two hundred, two hundred twelve million in Brazil. Uh, it, it's yeah. So the testing numbers is, is that's is very poor. Um, speaking of Britain, actually, let's move on to the um, sort of the situation inside uh, the United Kingdom. Um, I think one of the real problems um, was uh, it was Johnson's slow response. Uh, he was, you know, he was really he had to think before he went into lockdown and that, you know, cost actually quite a few lives. Uh, the the problem was that he there were two uh, different medical colleges telling him, you know, there was one saying herd herd immunity is the way that we should go, and there was one saying lock down the country it's safer for everyone, and unfortunately in the first uh, instance he listened to uh, herd immunity uh, and we and we as a country attempted that first, unfortunately this was not the correct uh, path to take. Um, and uh, it, arguably it resulted in um, unneeded deaths. Thankfully, um, the... I think we shouldn't beat around the bush here, though. His response was unequivocally poor. And it's, it's similar to Trump, actually. You've got to be an inspiration to your people. You've got to lead by example. And although Johnson didn't do it himself, I know the story's been around the bush so many times now but having his chief advisor Dominic Cummings uh, go for an extremely long eye testing trip is not good it doesn't make you look good and he's brought in these rules extremely slowly to wear masks I think, masks. I, I mean, I th- I think you know, the problem so I 
I believe that the one of the big problems is not necessarily Johnson. Uh, I think he's been. Um, I think he's been indecisive, but I think one of the big problems for um, Boris through this period has been um, uh, it's it's been um, his cabinet in reality. I mean, who, um, Matt Hancock, uh, his nickname in the House of Commons is Peter Pandemic because he just he he doesn't he doesn't have the idea. Uh, of what's going on in his head and he's he's been seen you know putting his arm around other MPs and um and then of course you've got Dominic Raab um who's been well very very laxed and not really controlled himself with his um uh response to the pandemic um and I think you know Johnson's been through a lot for his his country in this recent period Obviously, this doesn't make it better, but he he was at one point he was in an in, in ICU unit because uh, because he was down with the virus. And thankfully, uh, as as much as some people may dislike him, thankfully, he survived that period and um, yeah. he's he's come back, for, uh, thankfully. And I think, you know, he's he's faced a lot for uh, not not for his country, I suppose, but he's he's been through a lot. And you can't obviously you can't make this an excuse for the um, you can't make this an excuse and say that's why um, his response has been slow, because I think it's it's been um, his medical advisors have been indecisive and therefore the government has been indecisive. I would agree on most of those Mm. points there. Yeah. Mm. Um, Yeah. So I would also say, though, that just quickly. The cases that Britain has are incredibly poor. I mean, 300,000 cases is extremely bad. However, a silver lining to it is we've only had 83 new deaths today, which, of course, is awful. However, Mm. it's far lower than countries, say, the United States for 700. Yeah. And I think it's a larger population. That's better than what we had a while ago. Yeah, and I he's think also the, brought in the mask ruling now, which is, yeah. I think, one of the best ideas had in a while. Obviously, I think the, it's quite late, but at least yeah. it's brought in. What's good is, well, I think one of the reasons that it's been um, late uh, is because, you know, businesses are just beginning to open now and we're beginning to recover. And to avoid, you know, an, another fluctuation and then uh, an increase in cases again, uh, the government have decided to bring masks in. Now, you can see this from two perspectives. Like you said, um, some people, of course, will be seeing this as, you know, late. This is too late and it should have been brought in earlier. Well, not too late, but it's late and it should have been brought in earlier. But then you can also see it from the perspective of the government are protecting um, the people now because new new businesses are opening. um, And it's important that we continue to, um, you know, uh, this this decrease in the in the bell curve. And we continue down this slope, you know, until we eventually, hopefully, rid the disease um, from the country. Um, but I think that's I think that covers sort of our um, our opinions on how certain leaders have responded to the pandemic. Uh, I think we're going to move on now to uh, the aftermath. So, um Tomek, one of the things that uh, we wanted to address, this is once again inside the UK, um, is HS2. 
Mm-hmm. Now, this might not seem like it's linked, um, but there's been a lot of sort of uh, controversy surrounding it uh, recently. So, um, Tomek, if you want to speak on uh, HS2 and what's currently going on. Well, first of all, I think we should touch on the budget of HS2 because we've tried to compile the most um, feasible and the most um, factual one because there's a lot of outlets which may have slightly biased leanings. The one we found was 56.6 billion was the budget. Um, that's, that's a good amount of money. And unfortunately, it's very over budget. It's, it's very late. And well, figures are saying it might be 10 billion over budget. And also, it's uh, the Extinction Rebellion, I think, is a good place to start this. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have put up these tree protectors. These, they've got people in the trees with their lines over, um, protecting the ancient woodlands which is going to be destroyed by HS2. And whether you, whether you trust or believe that this woodland should be protected, it's not good when the worker there is told that if you cut a line leading to a, one of these um, tree protectors or um, protesters, they will fall and injure themselves, and they go and cut it, and the person has, now is in an A&E. You know, that's mm. extremely bad. And if it wasn't the government doing it, I think there'd be extremely bad lawsuits for it. They might be yeah. sued. I think um, Extinction Rebellion is an interesting thing. It's it's a t- it's a tough case with them um, because you know what they're going after is the common worker, and it's not their fault. You know, it's not the fault of the people who are just laying the track and laying the line. This that HS2 is being built. Um, However, I'm just going to move it uh, sort of back onto the uh, sort of COVID line. Um, in in the face of sort of the new, um, you know, health and hygiene uh, standards that we'll, we will most likely be facing uh, in the coming era, um, uh, I think it's, is the question is, with, uh, you know, that, that in mind, is HS2 the right investment of this money? You know, should people be making contact on public transport or should they instead be continuing um, to contact offline? uh, Sorry, online uh, and through uh, through Skype, through other sort of um, group media outlets um, and, you know, making sure that this disease is cut down. So my suggestion for what should happen to the budget uh, for HS2. I, I personally believe HS2 should be scrapped. Um, I believe that the budget for HS2 should be reinvested uh, and that it should be invested into improving Wi-Fi and broadband across the country. Now, um, it's been, it's, for a long time, uh, Britain has been a country um, with very poor um, Wi-Fi statistics, uh, quite unreliable, uh, especially in, isolated communities uh and uh it's been slow uh now one of the reasons for this is um currently the way that the internet is laid out is fiber optics carry uh the internet signal into uh into the you know uh the green boxes which you might see across your streets and the rest of the connection is done by copper wiring now this this massively drastically slows um your wi-fi speeds down uh, to, a, to a snail's pace. Um, so what I'm suggesting should be done with the budget is um, 
these copper this copper wiring should be replaced with fiber optics and the isolated communities that are yet to have wi-fi uh, should be linked up with the system but tom what are your thoughts on um what should be done with hs2 and should we keep it should we scrap it and if so if we scrap it what should we do with the money well most likely i don't see any point in really discussing what will happen if we scrap hs2 because i don't see it really occurring if they if they I think travel itself, obviously, seats are going to have to be moved, aren't they, to be further away, as mm. most airlines are now doing. They're removing a middle seat, which probably won't help because the air will get flown on by the vent, by the air ducts, and air will be blown yeah, by people walking in... back and forth. Mm. But back onto the train system itself, it's an interesting one because I really don't see public transport being that popular for a while after COVID. I just don't. I think it's going to be young people that are going to be affected by the worst because they won't have transport of their own. Mm. And considering the already, you know, um, fraction or, or the already factionalized um, uh, system of railways that's in place currently, we've got plenty of um, uh, railway organizations running sections of the country. They're underfunded. Uh, trains are, are delayed many times a day. Uh, the system is poor. You know, the, there's tracks that are carrying um the tracks that are carrying uh, and ferrying people across have been there since the 1850s. Um, and I can see this as an argument for why HS2 should be put in place. And, you know, six months ago, I probably would have agreed with it. And I probably would have, um, uh, I, I probably would have said, yes, that's fine. Let's carry on with this. However, what has stopped me now from saying that is, the COVID-19 outbreak and what this is going to do, like you say, with public transport uh, and uh, how people will move around the country from now on. Uh, and also um, with what you touched on briefly with Extinction Rebellion, uh, how HS2 will be cutting through uh, woodland, which is currently untouched. Um, uh, you know, this is once again um, another thing that will be damaging for the environment um, if it's done uh, and it's pointless I, I believe that instead of building a completely new railway track we should improve the system that we already have if that's true if you truly want an improved railway service you should not be building a new track and destroying and tearing up more land you should be improving the one that we've already got by replacing track um, you know, widening the gauges so that we can have wider, uh, wider tra- uh, carriages on them filled with better f- uh, facilities and um, uh, to cope with what's going on currently. Uh, and the HS2 should just be removed. Um, but of course, yeah, yeah. let's uh, let's move taking public- this back on yeah. to um, COVID. I think we should probably touch on the climate quickly. Yeah, in London, it's uh, this is London. No, no, this isn't just London. Well, London itself has faced very good. Uh, pollution levels now most of the city is at a 30 level for pollution which is moderate to good or sometimes lower the whole country itself when lockdown was imposed there was about a there was a drop off where is it here sorry my notes are yeah, sorry, extremely poorly written there was a drop in 10 meters per cubic centimeter of co2 emissions which i think is that's very good for the whole country. And it's returned to a similar source. Obviously, it's gone up slightly now due to mm. lockdown e- being eased. But obviously, the drop there is massive. Yeah. However, it's, it's going to be interesting if seeing if people go back to driving their car to work or if they could take the walk down. I imagine due to public transport, mm. 
it yeah, would be ho- more people just walking down or mm. driving on their own, which is hopefully, a shame, but realistic. Yeah. Well, hopefully one thing I'd like to see with this period is an increase in cycling. Um, I think this is a good time to um, this is a good time to move from, uh, you know, trains, planes and cars uh, to uh, to biking, you know, to near to nearby places, biking to work if you're nearby um or walking like you say you know um i think it's i think what i want to see uh is sort of a return to um a national england so instead of people who are people are getting on budget flights and holidaying in the south of spain and then you know coming back and maybe going out for a couple of city breaks in the uh in the autumn and winter uh, I want to see an investment in inside the country instead. You know, for summer people go down to, uh, for summer people go down to, uh, for a trip to Cornwall um, and go camping there or something. Or um, people go to Norfolk or you know, there's there's plenty of beautiful places inside the country, which people can easily visit, and uh, the emissions will be lower from visiting there, and it will boost the national economy, um, which is important, especially after what we're facing currently. But um, yeah, if you were to make a, a sort of guess on what sort of social impacts will go, sort of like handshaking and mm-hmm. things like that, what, what would you bet will go? Because if it's to me, things like handshaking, high fiving each other, you know, having massive crowds of people in massive stadiums for football or cricket. Yeah. Would it be gone? You know, it's quite a I strange think, idea, isn't mm, it? I think a lot of um, country, it's going to be. Uh, it's it's hard to comment on this, obviously, because you know sources differ. Um, uh, Johnson says that we'll be back in football stadiums uh, in October. Well, we'll be back at sporting events in October, and but there are plenty of other estimates um, by other people that are saying possibly longer, uh, possibly shorter. Um, and you know, I think the definitely um, handshakes and sort of more. Um, I guess, uh, you know, um, more, um, more intimate, um, contact will be removed. Um, I think what will be in place is sort of, you know, like, um, uh, what are they doing right now? Uh, like elbow, elbow bumps and things like that. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's fine. And it's good. It's what we need, um, to make sure that this is completely, we completely squash, um, coronavirus, um, but I think, um, it's going to, we're going to see a profound change definitely. And, um, like it or not, there's a new normal coming, uh, and it is, it is, it's very hard to predict what this new normal will be, uh, and you know, how it will affect us on a daily basis and how it will affect the country. Um, I think, I think we are lucky it's came, this virus came now rather than 20 years ago, because now yeah, we have the definitely. internet, now mobile phones mm. native people. It's like yeah, e-dating yeah. and things and, you know, playing video games online with people, which makes yeah. our lives much more social. I think mm, if, if it happens a while ago, domestic abuse would have gone much higher than it has now. That has mm-hmm. gone up a lot and people would have much more depression and mental issues. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, it's been it's good that, um, you know, sites like um, Skype exist uh, because without them, we wouldn't have been able to connect with family and friends um, over this period. And I think it's very important, like you say, for mental health. Uh, it's really helped um, 
you know, it's, it's really helped, uh, you know, uh, old, old people, actually. It's helped a lot of the elderly. Uh, my grandparents, um, uh, both of them um, sort of uh, live alone in um, a house and they have limited contacts, especially in this period. Uh, and it's really helped with, uh, we've been teaching them how to get onto Skype uh, and use uh, use it um, to connect with people. And, you know, at first they were just joining us and on, you know, family uh, weekly calls. And now they're completely, uh, they're completely adept at it and they can call anyone they want as long as they have Skype. And they've been having, you know, dinner with friends over Skype. And it's been really, it's been good because you know young and old have been connecting um with people that they possibly haven't even connected with for many years you know long lost friendships have been uh rediscovered thanks to the uh thanks to you know online innovations um and it's i think it's been important um not only for young people um who are isolated but also the elderly who now hopefully the ones who have um been educated have a grasp on have a better grasp on technology uh which will help them in the future yeah i i I guess that business meetings will probably go as well yeah a large conference Mm. calls whatever we see though i think the cultural impacts of coronavirus will not be a a, a sort of temporary thing i think it will probably go for the entire generation until this decade is over, not decades, uh, centuries over. Well, I hope decades, but it's, it's very unlikely. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think um, uh, I think what's definitely, what we're definitely going to see a reduction in is global companies and globalisation. Now, this could be argued as good or bad, but, um, you know, hopefully in terms of the environment and emissions, a reduction in global companies and um, you know global travel uh, will help a lot, um, but uh, that's that's um, you know that's just speculation. We don't really know what's going to happen. But um, I think we've we've reached the the end of the podcast now. So I'd just like to say um, thank you very much for joining me uh, and Tomek again uh, for this podcast. Uh, if you do want to uh, contact us and leave us a message on anything that we've covered today uh, with your thoughts and opinions, um, there is a messaging service inside the app uh, which you can send us um, information for next week. Mm. Um, but for now, uh, that's all. Thank you very much, Tyke, for joining me today. Uh, Thank you. And we'll hope to see you next week.